Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Right. So so we've we've mixed this Western idea of romance as people completing each other um, with the, with the church wanting to get married. And what's come out is is uh, ultimately what I think is a damaging perspective of romance and of marriage, which says that you are not complete unless you have someone else. You're listening to Absurdity with Ryan Becker, the podcast where we embrace the absurdity of everything. From here, we can move conversations forward by learning how to communicate effectively, listen intently, and love patiently. Welcome to Absurdity. Hey guys, welcome back to Absurdity. So glad you are joining us. My name is Ryan Becker. I am your host, and today we are doing another solo episode. This is about a topic that has become pretty important to me over this last year. Uh, we're talking about being single, and we're talking about how uh, our church's culture regarding singlehood and regarding celibacy and marriage uh, has actually uh, caused some un... Um, how do I want to say this? Unintended... Uh, damage to other people. And so we're going to talk about all of that. We're going to get into that. And I just want to let you know uh, that what I'm about to talk about on this episode, what what we discuss is sensitive. It's hard to navigate. And I don't think there's a cert, uh, uh, I don't think there is a person in the church that knows how to navigate this um, in a way that doesn't step on toes or hurt people. So I apologize if you are one of those people for me today. I apologize if this episode hurts. Uh, that's not the, that's not my intention. Uh, at all, I've tried to craft this in a way that is at least respectful while also calling us uh, to be better, to be better versions of ourselves and to be better followers of Christ. And so, look, I hope you can dive into this with an open mind uh, and 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 listen as best as possible. If by uh, if by any words I say or anything I say on here, I have offended you personally, uh, said something that devalues who you are, then please let me know. Uh, please uh, don't just say you hate me, but let me know what happened so that I can correct it. Um, so that I can make things right and and get better at this moving forward. Feedback is the only way I'm going to get better at this other than practice. So I appreciate any feedback that comes through. If you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes or any of the podcast feeds uh, that you or podcatcher apps that you use. Uh, and if you do subscribe, 
please leave a review. Um, let us know how we're doing. Uh, that is super helpful for me. Thanks, guys, for listening to Absurdity. Thank you for being on this journey with me. I'm excited to dive into today's episode, and I hope that you uh, enjoy or have enjoyed some of the episodes that have been released, and uh, I hope you enjoy this cool, awesome intro music that I have. Uh, Thank you again to Justin Janetsko for this music, and if you haven't yet, go back and listen to the episode that I did with him on uh, screen time technology and what it's kind of done, uh, what what it's caused us to do in our lives and how we can steward it better, how we can treat it better. I will say as a result of that, uh, that conversation with Justin, I did, I followed through and I got an alarm clock and I started putting my phone in another room. And within two nights, I noticed I went to bed two hours earlier and I read for like an hour extra that day. Uh, normally I don't read for very long. And so this was a chance I read for a full hour extra just because I had nothing else to do. And it was, it was an interesting fight to not get up and look at my phone, even though there was no one calling it. But um, it's really cool to just start to detach and be more intentional about what I'm doing uh, at my time at home and at night as I get ready for bed. So uh, go ahead and give that episode a listen. It might call uh, it might call you to make some needed changes in your life. Um, and today, I pray and I hope that this is beneficial to you, that you walk away with uh, maybe something that you can do a little bit differently or a little bit better as we make space for each other uh, in this life and as we make space to create positive, uplifting, edifying, uh, and biblical, true community with each other. So thanks guys for listening. Uh, Here is this week's episode of Absurdity. So I want to jump into today's topic by giving you just a little bit of background about how this kind of came about, how this has become something that's been a burden for me. And I don't mean a burden as in like something bad. It's just been something that's been burdened on my heart, something that has been on my mind, and I've discussed this uh, with a lot of people so far. And it's funny because every time I talk about this, the people I share it with seem to be uh, surprised. They've never thought about this or whatever else. And part of that is because of the norm of the culture we've created around the issue that I'm talking about today. And so to do that, I, I to get into it, I, I need to give you, I need to give you some background information. For the last year or so, uh, I've spent single, not in a relationship, not dating anyone. I've, I've almost dated a few people, but uh, ultimately nothing really turned out. And so I, uh, I've been single and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But what I realized uh, when I became single was there were a lot of areas of my life that I had failed to take care of myself well in, whether it was setting up a, a positive social life where I currently live or Uh, whether it was creating hobbies and and passions for myself that were not tied to other people. Uh, To give you an example, I used to play soccer in college all the time. Well, to play soccer, you kind of need other people and a place to play. And so I've really had to spend this year kind of exploring who I am when no one else is around, exploring who I want to be, regardless of if there are other people around or not, Uh, whether it's a relationship or even just having friends around. Uh, this year has been a lot about that kind of self-discovery and and deciding who Ryan Becker is. And this created an awareness in me that I had not had before. It's something that I probably would have never realized had I not been put in these shoes. And so, yeah, it is something that's kind of come about because it's relevant to my life. However, to the logical end that I take it today, not all of it is necessarily relevant to me specifically. So the beginning part of this, all the background, it definitely makes sense for me. 
uh, as far as what I've experienced in the life that I've been living this year of 2017. But ultimately, this extends far beyond because what it what it opened my eyes to this year of being single and this year of of discovering who I am was a hole in the way that we create community in our churches. And here's here's the hole. Whenever the church kind of talks about singlehood, and now this is largely in my experience, but uh, I, I know this is the experience that I've heard of many others from just across North America, and so specifically talking about uh, the Adventist church in North America. Whenever singlehood is talked about, whenever being single or being any sort of isolated uh, is talked about, it's always talked about as a means to marriage, but it's never talked about as a state of being on its own. So singlehood is always talked about in, in, within the context of getting married, as if singlehood is a temporary state of existence that is only meant to prepare you to be married or is a space where you are looking to get married as soon as possible. No ministries that I know of. Now, if there is one, uh, someone let me know, and I will happily correct this statement in show notes. But no ministries that I know of exist for singles that are just single. Most of the time, singles night in a church or singles ministry in, in churches or schools or wherever are always within the context of meeting other singles so that hopefully some of you can not remain single, so that you can stop being single with someone that you meet there. No conversations are currently happening that I've heard of about just being single, just being on your own for whatever reason. Now, for me, uh, one day I'd like to be married. Sure, I'd love to meet someone and, and get married. But still, in this phase of my life, that doesn't mean that every conversation I have around being single, want, I, that I want it to be about eventually getting married. I don't necessarily love people coming up to me and asking, so uh, have you met anyone lately or or when are you going to get married? And And so we always have this thing about the next phase of life. And the next phase of life that we talk about is whatever is predetermined or presumed by the individual to be. So if someone comes up and talks to me about one day getting married and that being my next phase of life, it's because they've presumed that it's my next phase of life. But perhaps it's not the phase of life that I've decided for myself. And so we, we project this knowledge or this, this presumption onto someone else and assume that it is true for them. And that's, 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 a, that's a problem. There's no space right now in the church for someone to just be because here's what happens. If you're in the church and you're single, you are surrounded by talk that is all about getting married. You're surrounded by people who are trying to get married. And there's nothing wrong with trying to get married. Please understand me. I'm not saying that marriage is bad. I'm not saying that being married is bad. Uh, but but we've made no room to for any other option. We've somehow said that the call that, that God has made in Genesis 1 to multiply and fill the earth uh, extends to every single person on the planet that... Uh, that every single person must fulfill this calling, which I find interesting because in the New Testament, there is a time in, in the church's history where Paul says, hey, it'd be better if you remain like me and not be married. Now, the reason he said that was likely because of persecution going on in the church and that if you're going to get married, chances are you're not going to stay together for very long because of persecution coming or because of the way that the gospel was being treated. Now, I get that. But here's the my point was, there was a time in the church's history where this command was not explicit for every single person. And I wonder if that could be true today. Not every single person is called to be married. And existing as a single person does not mean that you were existing as a sinful person person because of that. 
So we've, we've failed to create space in our churches for people to just be. And this is important because those who are single, even if only for a season, will always feel like an outcast in a church that calls them to, all, to eventually get married. They're constantly reminded of a reality that might not be their own or a reality that might not be their decision. It's not my decision when I get married if I want to marry the right person. And this genuinely leads, and this is actually a problem that we found, especially with pastors. This leads to marriages that happen just for the sake of getting married. There are conferences right now in the Adventist church where a pastor can't go uh, if he's not married. There are limitations to ministry if you're not married, if you are a paid minister in the church. And so there are some people who have rushed to get married instead of waiting to meet the right person. And that's a problem. On top of that, now you have people getting into relationships just for the sake of having relationships so they can fit the status quo, so that they can go to couples nights, so they can do more with the church. It is an environment which always reminds people that they are never complete or enough if they are on their own romantically. So this also creates a false sense of dependency, right? That you cannot be who God has called you to be unless you are married, unless you are constantly pursuing this ideal. And when you're married, that you're completing each other through this. But my my contention here is that it's possible for you to be complete and meet someone who else is complete and have each other comp and have both parties complement each other. Right? So so we've we've mixed this Western idea of romance as people completing each other um, with the with the church wanting to get married. And what's come out is is uh, ultimately what I think is a damaging perspective of romance and of marriage, which says that you are not complete unless you have someone else, unless you have a partner that is walking with you. And that partner has to be romantically. It can't be a friend. It can't be a friend to group. It can't be a community. It has to be a person. Now, how, how does this extend beyond just me, right? I'm a pastor. So I, I have the, I have kind of somewhat in, in some respects, the power to create this space in my own churches. Right. But, but there is a specific social group that I think this problem extends to beyond just those who are single for the sake of being single or those who are single just for a season, because we haven't embraced singles, because we haven't embraced uh, the idea of just being, we've unintentionally alienated an entirely different group within the church. And that is the LGBTQ plus group. Now, as I jump into this, and as I jump into this next topic, I want everyone to understand as I as I, I want you to understand as I'm as I'm talking about this, that I'm speaking within some sort of middle ground between the church thinking this is a sin and and monogamous homosexual relationships or LGBTQ relationships being okay. I'm stand I I'm talking about this somewhere in the middle. So I'm not either or I'm not either side I'm not on either side as I talk about this, but I want to kind of just lay out this current, uh, the current field, basically. I want to lay this out for you so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. To do that, I need to talk about the current stance of the church and the current stance on LGBTQ plus in the church is that to be a participating member, you basically have to agree to be celibate. In other words, if you were an LGBTQ plus person and you want to be a participating member in the church being actively involved in leadership in the church, on a church board, or whatever else, then you must commit to either marrying someone uh, in, a, in a heterosexual relationship, traditionally heterosexual relationship, or you must commit to being single for the rest of your life. 
The current stance of the church is that the practice of LGBTQ uh, attractions or, or engaging in those attractions or engaging in a relationship or acting on those attractions is the sin issue not simply being LGBTQ+. So the church doesn't believe that just because you are LGBTQ+, you're somehow more sinful than others. But they do believe that if you act on those attractions and if you follow through with those passions, then yeah, guess what? You're acting in sin. So that that's 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 the current stance, right? And and I understand why. I understand exactly why it, that that is the stance. But here's where that translates to what I've been talking about all uh, episode long so far. If the church isn't a place that currently allows for fully single individuals in every stage of life to fully thrive, then how is there possibly any space for someone that you've called to be celibate? Right. If there's if there's no place in the church that that embraces celibacy, that embraces the idea that someone can just simply be single, be on their own, not engage in any sort of romantic relationship. If there's no place to embrace that life, that way of living, then how is there any space possible for people that you're saying can only live by doing this, can only have freedom by doing this? Now, for an LGBTQ plus person, there is the alternative that I mentioned, which is get married. To, and, and get married in a, in a heterosexual relationship, right? So renounce the LGBTQ part of who you are and uh, simply get married to a, heter- a heterosexual person and, and, and engage in a traditional relationship, in a traditional marriage. Now, here's the problem with that. And now I'm talking to church folk. For LGBTQ plus people, this is like asking a straight person to marry someone of the same sex. If you're straight, asking you to marry someone of the same sex might gross you out. It might be disgusting or abhorrent to you. And I understand that because it is for me. I, when I think about marrying someone of the same sex or being in a dating or romantic relationship with that, it, it, it feels gross to me. It feels wrong. Those in the LGBTQ plus community feel that same general uneasiness and that same general feeling when asked to date straight. Unless, of course, uh, that person is bisexual, in which case, yeah, there's a chance. You see, asking someone who, is, who has the attractions the way they do, it's just asking them to do, uh, be in a straight or a heterosexual marriage. It's just not an option unless these people are trying to deceive themselves or others. Now, there are stories, there are testimonies of people who God has transformed and, and given them uh, a legitimate attraction to the opposite sex. I'm sure that, that that's the case, and I've read stories of that before. But what I will say is those stories are largely, largely those stories are the minority. They do not happen to everyone. So, you can't be in the church uh, and fully embrace, uh, fully be embraced because you will always be asked as an LGBTQ person who has decided to be single. You can't really, you can't thrive in that community because they're always going to be asking you, well, when are you going to get married? When are you going to find someone and when are you going to be in a relationship? And so they're constantly reminding you of a reality that will never be your own if that's what you've chosen. This is a problem. Imagine being in a church where you aren't allowed to drive, but everyone else can. All the other members do is talk about their cars. All they do is talk about driving. And then when they talk to you, they say, oh, well, when are you going to get a car? Why don't you drive? When are you going to drive? Oh, you should drive. 
oh, here's the car you should drive. I've got the perfect car for you. You know, my, uh, my daughter has a, has, uh, has a sweet car, uh, that she can give, that she can find for you. You know, my, my daughter's got plenty of, of friends who have some cool cars that, that would love, uh, to, to hook you up with a car. You see, if they're always talking to you about that, but the reality for you is that you can't drive. Then what happens is you feel that that's not the place for you. And if you respond to that question of when are you going to drive and you say that I don't drive or I choose not to because that is what God has placed on my heart. And then they condemn you for it and they say, well, God would never do that or, or God's called you from the beginning to drive. You see, you see how that doesn't work? For many, this is like, uh, for many who belong to the social group, uh, it's like praying for God to make you a different skin color so that you can match the people around you. And then those around you are constantly reminding you that you aren't like them. And because you aren't like them, because you aren't living the same lifestyle that they are, you will never be complete or you are never enough. You see, we're asking this social group to be present in a culture that has created absolutely no space for them. And while they are engaging in this culture, while they are engaging in this community, it will constantly remind them that they aren't enough the way they are, even if they play by the rules. Now, look, if you're LGBTQ plus and you're listening to this episode, the reason I'm laying this out is not to tell you don't go to church. I'm talking to church people to tell them that we need to do better in this area. As a pastor, I need to do better in this area and create space for people to just be single. I need to do better in that space as well, because I believe that is a step forward in figuring out and navigating this issue, right? So I'm not telling you don't go to church. What I'm saying is right now the environment isn't set up that way, and I'm calling out the church for that. So I don't want you to feel like I'm, I'm not inviting you. I am. But we've got to figure this out, and I need your help to do that. The church needs your help to do that. Now, in addition to everything I've just laid out, right, in addition to a culture existing that is uh, at its core opposed to the existence of, of someone who does not want to get married, it's very rare, I find, that we practice what we preach on the LGBTQ plus issue. Remember what I've said, the official church stances. The official church stances that being is not sinful, but practicing is. So theoretically, if the church believes that practice is the sin and not being, then the revelation that someone identifies as LGBTQ plus should not change anything, right? It shouldn't change their leadership. It shouldn't change their ability to be involved in the church. It shouldn't change uh, their ability to lead a church. It shouldn't change or affect any of that. Because if they simply identify that way, we've already said that identifying isn't the sin. But in practice, this has proved not to be the case. And it's revealed case after case after case that many church members operate as if simply being LGBTQ plus is the sin. Consider this, a pastor, a friend of mine recently revealed to some members of his congregation that he was gay, but that he decided to be celibate, that he wasn't practicing that lifestyle, uh, that he wasn't, I should take that back because of an earlier episode I've talked about on this. Not that he hasn't chosen the gay lifestyle, but he revealed that he was gay, but not practicing on any of those urges, right? On any of those attractions to other men. After he revealed this in a moment of honesty and vulnerability and transparency to his members, remember, he has not, he has not 
at any point in this conversation confessed any sin that would disqualify him from ministry. He's not disqual. He's not committed any any sort of act. Right. He said, "I'm following the church's stance on this and following through on what I believe that God has called me to do." Several of his members following this meeting were shortly calling for his resignation. They had turned on him for the revelation that he was obviously following policy. Now, I'm going to keep this pastor's identity quiet for obvious reasons, but do you see my point? What we find is when we, when we preach a certain belief, when we, when we identify with a certain belief, what, what you often find is that you never really know what you believe on an issue until you've actually been personally confronted with it. This is why we find parents who, uh, in, in some cases, they'll preach that, that, uh, that homosexuality is wrong or that LGBTQ plus is wrong, and then the second their child comes out about it, suddenly their mind changes, and they find out and they decide what they really believe, or vice versa. Some people believe that it's okay, and then when their child admits it, they'll say, no, this isn't okay. Or they'll, or in some cases, too, there's the consistent way, which is people will preach that it's wrong, and then when their child comes out about it, or, or comes out of the closet with this revelation, uh, they follow through on that belief. But ultimately, it's not until the belief is put in front of you. It's not until reality actually hits you that you end up deciding which side of the line that you fall on. And what I found through experience, through conversation, is that while, yes, we will say over and over again that it's, it's uh, the practicing part of this that is the sin issue, what I find is that most members tragically will treat simply being as a sin. And this is not okay. In no way, shape, or form is this okay. It causes people to feel devalued. It causes them to feel um, as if God does not love them as much, or it causes them to feel isolated and like there's no place for them in the church. Even if they're following the rules that you've set up. Imagine your favorite sports team getting, uh, your favorite NFL team getting a touchdown. Following all the rules to get the touchdown and then the ref saying, nope, still not good enough. Touchdown, uh, no good. Imagine seeing your, your, your team uh, make this, the, the, the match-winning goal in soccer and the refs denying the goal, which, believe me, has happened several times. I actually think just a few weeks ago, Messi scored a goal. Uh, I forget against which team, and the goal was denied, even though it had clearly crossed the line and had followed all the rules. And even the video replay showed it as a goal. And yet, they still said no goal, and they didn't count the point. You see how frustrating that is? You feel like the system is set up for your failure when you follow all the rules and you're still told that you're not doing good enough. Church, we've got to do better. We've got to be consistent in either and either say we believe that being is a sin and so we'll treat it that way or we need to we need to draw a line and and decide where we're going to stand on it uh, with our current operating policies and structure. That's what we need to do and we need to be consistent. Uh, and I don't mean this on, I, I mean, I do mean this on, on the system level, right? I mean this as a, on church leadership and boards and everything else, but I mean this on the individual level. If you were going to say that you believe that the practice of, uh, of following through on those attractions is wrong, then you need to live like that. You need to treat people like that. And if you believe that, uh, that being is the problem, then you need to live like that because at least you're living honestly, at least you're living honestly. You see, we've essentially locked out an entire group of people from being an active part of our communities. In theology, we've made the space provided that they assimilate, right? We've made space for them provided that they follow into our cultural norms and what we've called them to do. But then in practice, we've proved that that assimilation is not enough. 
we've proved that there's more that they need to do. We've proved that 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 as long as they exist in this space in the spectrum, they will never be good enough. And that's not okay. Because what God says when God creates us is he says, I've created you with value, right? Creator's rights, I created you, therefore you are important and you have value. Simply being has never been a sin. And to LGBTQ plus people that are listening to this, I want you to know that simply being is not a sin. Simply being what you are is not a sin. Now, if, and, and once again, um, I'm, I don't want to perpetuate the myth that everyone is gay because of this or everyone is LGBTQ because of this. But if you've made life choices because of the way that other people have treated you, well then once again, being is not the sin. Being is not the sin. And the church needs to do better. And I'm sorry if anyone has told you that simply the way that you are is wrong. The way that you are is not good enough. Because that's not true. God accepts everyone from all walks of life and loves everyone from all walks of life. So what do we do about this? Right? What do we do about this problem where we've not embraced singlehood, while we've not embraced a single lifestyle? What do we do about that problem? And what do we do about the fact that we haven't created space for this group of people? this entire group of people, not just LGBTQ+, but also those who have just decided to be single for a single sake. What do we do about it? Now, everything I note here, everything that I talk about in this solutions and ideas aside of this episode is meant for the individual. I don't expect full organizations to adopt this right away, but I believe that when enough individuals adopt something, it can make a huge difference. So I've got four things here that I want to talk about. Uh, they're pretty short, but I want to make it clear to you that this is these are four things that I would suggest, uh, some four starting places, and maybe you can look into your own life and see where some of these might fit. Right, So everything here is meant for the individual. What are you listening in your car or on your iPhone while you're on a walk or a jog, whatever? How can you uh, do better in this? How can we improve together in this? So number one, we need to stop emphasizing marriage the way we do. Marriage is a great thing, but we need to understand that simply having a family is not the totality of God's calling on every single human being. It's not every single human being's uh, calling, full calling, to be married. We need to stop assuming that this is the track for everyone, and we need to let people share what God has placed on their heart. We need to stop projecting this next phase of life onto other people, as if just because it's our next phase of life, it's supposed to be theirs. I remember reading an article Someone had asked about, uh, someone had asked in a newspaper, one of those like, ask so-and-so columns, saying, hey, all my friends are getting married and having kids, and I feel like they're moving on without me. And the author responded, and I don't remember who the author was, but she said, why do you feel like they're moving on? What are they moving on to? And why is that the direction you have to go? Maybe simply that's just the track that they're on, and you're on a different track. And maybe what, what is the next phase of life for them is not the next phase of life for you. 
So we need to stop assuming that someone else's next phase of life is the same as ours or that we're supposed to have the next phase of life that someone else is. So for the individual, we need to stop emphasizing marriage in each other's lives the way that we do, as if it's the final goal. Marriage is a great thing, but it's not the end-all be-all for every Christian and for every human being. It's just not. We are so much more. We were created for so much more than to simply be married. When God created uh, all of humanity, he gave them stewardship over the earth, and he created us to be in a right relationship with him. There's more than just being in a relationship with someone else. And I believe firmly that you can be a complete individual and find another complete individual and complement each other. So this idea that you aren't complete until you get married, there's, there, 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 there's a flaw there. There's got to be a flaw there because not everyone is called to be married. So number one, stop emphasizing marriage the way that you do. Number two, we need to create, and this is for church members, this is for those involved in churches, planning for things, uh, planning ministries, whatever. We need to create intentional infrastructure in our lives that celebrates those that are single. Even if someone doesn't think they'll be single their whole lives, right? Like me. Even if they're only single for a season, we should celebrate with them in that time and not treat every singles ministry like it is match.com. We need to embrace the idea of being single. We need to embrace the idea of being wherever you are. We need to create that infrastructure. So whether it's restructuring singles uh, night, whether it's uh, restructuring the way you preach about relationships in a sermon, if you're a pastor, whatever it is, we need to create some more intentional infrastructure in this space to celebrate simply being single. We need to talk about what being single means. We need to talk about how to be the best person you can be while you're single. We need to have these conversations and create space for them. Number three, we need to stop treating the being as sin. Regardless of where you land on this, regardless of whether practicing it is sinful or not, right? Regardless of whether you are fully affirming or uh, what the church would consider non-affirming of LGBTQ plus relationships, we need to stop believing or acting on the belief that LGBTQ plus just being LGBTQ plus is sinful. And we need to stop alienating those who identify this way. There is not a single person on this planet who is sinful because of a birth characteristic. Yes, we are all born sinful, but that's unrelated to gender identity. That's unrelated to um, attraction. That's unrelated to all of that, right? We're all born sinful. Okay. But it's not because I was born and have asthma that I'm more sinful than someone else. Simply being is not the sin. Simply being is not the sin. And, it, and, I, and, and now someone can write in and correct me on this, but I, I don't see any evidence scripturally for that. That, that being is the sin. It's always because someone does that, that sin enters, right? So just being LGBTQ plus is not sinful. And we need to stop acting on that false belief. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, that doesn't mean it's wrong. Sitting in a car for too long or for eight hours and driving somewhere, it makes me uncomfortable. That doesn't mean it's wrong, right? Just because something is uncomfortable does not mean it's wrong. So please stop treating the being as sin. And lastly, number four, and this has been a theme in the last several episodes. Um, It's going to be a theme for my life, I think, for the rest of my life. It's come up in several conversations. Uh, It's come up in an interview um, in another episode. I'm not sure exactly if it's going to release before or after this, but you'll hear it again. And And it came up in the Garrison Hayes interview. But we need to become learners. We need to become students. We need to engage in conversation and let people share their lives with us. 
whether that is someone who's decided to be single or whether that's someone who identifies as LGBTQ+. We just need to make room to share stories and, and to hear someone else's story without casting our own personal prejudices or biases or phases of life onto them. We need to just let people be people. Now, Carl Lentz shared this. Uh, he's a popular pastor of Hillsong in New York. He shared this on TV recently when they asked him. I think it was about abortion. And I really resonated with this. He said, uh, before I start calling uh, calling out someone's sin in their life or calling what is sin in someone's life, I want to learn their name first. And so I, I heard that and I really resonated with it. And so I've kind of adopted it as an operating philosophy, right? Before I decide what's sin in your life, I want to know what your name is. I want to know who you are. I want to know what brought you to this point. I want to know how you got here. I want to know the journey you've taken. Because ultimately, even if something is sin, that doesn't mean that you treat it the same way that you treat that sin in everyone else's lives. Every single person who's an addict to something, a terrible substance or something, not every addict gets treated the same way. Not every sinner gets treated the same way. You treat, you treat the person as a person first. So let's learn each other's names. Let's learn each other's stories, identities, who we are. Before we start trying to call each other out, let's build positive relationships. When God grafted Gentiles into salvation, right, after, after Jesus' uh, sacrifice on the cross, when he grafted Gentiles into salvation, he only made that vision clear to one person, Peter. And it was when Peter received that vision of the meat falling down on the blanket, and I, th- I think it was Acts 9, and, and he was told to go see Cornelius. Right? Only one person receives this revelation. And if it wasn't for the Jews, A, being willing to listen to Peter, and B, being willing to engage with Gentiles at all, then the church's growth would have been immediately stunted and perhaps might never have grown the way that it has throughout history. The willingness to engage in honest, scary, and difficult conversations with people we don't understand is the crux of moving the gospel forward. It literally hangs on this idea of conversations with people that don't think like you, that don't believe like you, and maybe don't live like you. It's literally the only way that the gospel has ever moved forward, is Jesus shares the good news with people through the gospel, or in all of four of the gospels, he shares this good news of his kingdom and, and, and his life and his sacrifice, and he does so with people that don't live the way he does. When he talks with the woman at the well, He says, you're not living the way that I would live. And he talks with her and he embraces her. The only way the gospel has moved forward is by having conversations with people that don't look, think, or act like we do. Now look, at the end of all of this, at the end of all of this, there's no easy answer. And the four things that that I've proposed here as possible solutions or starting places, not solutions fully, but as at least as starting places, um, I believe they, they might put us in, uh, in a positive direction, right? And, I'll, and I'll, I'll summarize them for you. Number one, stop emphasizing marriage the way that you do. Uh, two, creating intentional infrastructure in our lives that celebrates those that are single. Number three, stop treating the being as sin, but remember that it is always doing that causes, or that is sin. And four, we need to become students and learn about people and embrace people. But ultimately, there's no easy answer. And I know that even my take on all of this, where I currently stand, and, and, and this episode may have infuriated some people. Or at the very least, it may have made you uncomfortable. And I understand that. I do. I'm not going to apologize necessarily for it unless 
by some chance, and, I, and I've tried, I've poured over this, this episode trying to figure out the best way to say some of this stuff, and I understand, look, if I insulted you, uh, if I accidentally said something that was offensive to you directly, uh, then let me know, and uh, by all means, I'll apologize, because my intent in this, in this episode was not to offend you, was not to call anyone out in a way uh, to demean or devalue someone, but simply to call us all to do better. So I understand if I made some people angry or or uncomfortable, uh, but I need your help in moving this conversation forward too, even if you're there, right? If you're angry and uncomfortable, write into me and let me know. (laughs) Let me know why. Not just just leaving some hate mail for me, but tell me why. Give me something that I can can move forward uh, with and do better on. So if you want to dialogue on this, if you want to help move me forward, uh, then reach out, please. But otherwise, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm simply going to suggest things and tell you the things that I'm doing. I'm doing, I'm going to look to do all four of those things, right? But I want to leave room for you to create space in your, uh, whatever space that you need to in your own life for other people. Maybe that's putting less pressure on friends to enter relationships. Maybe it's, it's, it's maybe you stop calling them every other day and trying to find out uh, if they're interested in meeting someone from far away. Maybe it begins with us refraining from pushing others into our prescribed or presumed next phase of life for them. Maybe it's time to, maybe, maybe it begins with listening to others and asking how they feel about where and who they are. Maybe it's time to explore who God has made us to be right now. And maybe it's time to let other people do that as well and to encourage other people to do that as well, wherever we are. And maybe it's time to simply embrace God's journey for each of us in right now. That is it for this episode of Absurdity. Thank you for listening. I hope that you are able to take something away from this that is beneficial to you, that is of value um, and I hope that I navigated this in a well in a way that is at least respectable or res- uh, respectful uh, to all parties involved. Hey, if you want to subscribe to Absurdity, you can check us out on iTunes. Just look for Absurdity with Ryan Becker or Absurdity, and you should find us. You'll find my picture and the Absurdity logo. You can also check out our website, theabsurdity.org. Uh, you can find all the podcast episodes there, and you can find one other cool thing, which is Patreon. Uh, if you head over to patreon.com slash absurditycast, you can subscribe to our Patreon. And look, right now, there's really no rewards other than all of my patrons uh, will receive episodes a week in advance. Uh, this is more of a, hey, look, if you like what I'm doing and you uh, are supportive, then uh, throwing a dollar my way would be awesome. And so you have the opportunity to subscribe monthly uh, and you'll get all episodes a week in advance. And eventually, uh, soon we'll be having some patron-only gear that comes out as well. So thank you so much for supporting me. Every dollar that you uh, give through becoming a patron will go back into this podcast. And so thanks you so much for being on the journey. Uh, And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for me, you can email me, ryan180becker at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at ryan180becker. So I look forward to hearing from you. I look forward to talking with you more and learning more about each of you. And thank you so much for joining me on this journey with Absurdity. See you next time.
Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.